Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the social medias. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. Well, maybe you do right now. If you love the fact that we get to watch different football teams other than Pitt sometimes and hate watching Pitt most of the time, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. And it's not too sunshiny right now. As you can t- see, each of us have terrible lighting right now. Hello, darkness, my old friend. It's a it's a bad place to be right now. We feel any better from <laughs> yesterday, Sunday? Yeah. No. Did you did you watch Narduzzi's press conference? No, I don't feel any better. Uh, that was bizarre. That was a bizarre press conference. One Brutal. of one of the weirder ones. I mean, Narduzzi's always kind of on edge after a loss at pressers, and you could tell against Cincinnati he was kind of flustered and like definitely didn't think that the Cincinnati game would go the way it did. He is straight up like in not panic mode. He's in full Narduzzi dickhead mode. He's He's like a dog that got out of the house and is now just living out in the wild and running around. It's lost all of its senses. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I'm just trying to survive. He doesn't get defensive. He gets defiant. So it's like if if you start pressing him, he's not going to be like, well, well, hold on, hold on, guys. Hold on, hold on. It's like, no, 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 no. That game went exactly how I wanted to, actually. Thank you very much, Noah. Oh, no, 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 Chris. I actually planned for Djokovic to throw three picks. It was all part of the game plan. And honestly, if you aren't a football mind, just say so. Like, he gets, he digs in. And it's like, no, no, no. Everything is kind of going exactly as I planned. There's nothing I need to change. We just need to execute the game plan that I came up with better, everything is fine. I am a big proponent of who gives a shit what a coach says to the media because they definitely don't mean it. And like, what do you expect them to say? Like, is he, if he came out and said, like, what would make us happy? If he came out and said, yeah, Phil like really sucked and we're going to bench him. But that's not a thing that coaches do. This one, there were some quotes where I was like, okay, I, I'd rather you not say that. But for the most part, I don't really care, except I, I wish he didn't say he had a lot of faith in Signetti's decision-making process with the personnel. That one, that was an extra hard kick to the groin. Yeah, I, I mean, I can think of a couple things I would have rather he said. Um, yeah, the offense is an issue right now. I will be paying closer attention to the processes of, in the preparation for the offense and the game planning. Um, we are evaluating all of our options, you know. And instead of like, first of all, he can we address the? No, no. Well, let, let me say like two more things, and then we'll address Boo City, the what's got everybody talking right now. Um, he admitted criminal negligence on his part as far as like offensive preparation. I get he's a defensive coach, but he said he spends 85% of his time with the defense. I mean, 
pay attention to the unit that's struggling. Feed feed the hungry mouth. Um, do you okay? Do you want Pat Narduzzi to do that though? Do you want Pat Narduzzi to have more of a say in the offense? Well, that's actually a really good point. Um, well, one, I don't think it could be any worse if Narduzzi started drawing up plays in the dirt. But two, it, it he's either throwing Signetti under the bus completely by saying, "Yeah, I give him total reign of over the offensive scheme," and so if we suck, it's all his fault, or he's just admitting like. Yeah, no, I I don't care enough about the offensive side of the football to pay any attention to it. But that was just one of well, like a I, litany. This is gonna sound like I'm. This is gonna sound like I'm defending Narduzzi, but I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. I'm not going to do that. Go on. Well, okay. We've we've gotten ourselves all worked up, but we did have somewhat of a plan before we started recording, and I think we're well overdue for a seat check. And I think this can kind of just transition right into seat check. So, dun dun dun, break glass in case of emergency. I thought this was gone for a long time. Yep this this for people who've been listening for a long time because there's definitely some people who were not a good amount of people who were not listening when we were still doing seat checks. This was a recurring segment back in 2021. Uh, mainly directed towards Mark Whipple, but also Narduzzi at the time. Um, basically, judging how hot the coaches' seats are, and I think we're going to do a player this week as well. Um, but basically, seat check, we're going to go 0 to 100. I'll give a rating 0. 0 degrees, that was Wani's seat after the 13 to 9 game. Uh, 100 degrees, that was Mike Haywood's seat after about two weeks on the job at Pitt. So that's how we're going to grade this one out. And I say we cleaned up that intro a little bit. <laughs> it's a, it used to be a little, little bit more direct. It's a little cleaned up, but I think we're going to go. Uh, let's just start with Narduzzi since we're already talking about him. I was going to go in a different order, but let's just start with Narduzzi and work our way on down. Uh, so, David, do you want to proceed with bros? Boo City talk. Floor is yours, David. <sighs> that Boo City comment was. Incredible. I mean, first of all, it's unfortunately very funny calling Pittsburgh Boo City PA. Second of all, Phil Dracovic got butchered for calling out his own fans. He got called a baby. Everyone said like, no, 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 he's we're still rooting for Phil. He's, you know, good kid, whatever. But like, that is such a rookie mistake turning on your own fans. Dudes saw the way people reacted to that and doubled down, quadrupled down. He poured kerosene on the fire. There's a way to stand up for your quarterback. I don't think the way that dudes chose to stand up for your quarterback is what 99% of the other Division One coaching head coaches would have done. It was an approach to defend your quarterback. I'll give him that. I thought he started. I thought it was a very good idea to just say, oh, they're booing me. They should be booing me. Like taking that, like the, the boos are directed at me. I'm I'm the one screwing up. But then he just doubled down on, yeah, we're in Boo City. Boo City PA. And it was like, okay, you just guaranteed Phil getting booed off the field on Saturday night. There he, might be an outside chance that he intentionally tried to piss so many people off that it would take a little bit of the hate away from Phil and onto him. I don't think it took any hate away from Phil. 
and it just added a lot more hate in general. So perhaps that was Narduzzi's like twisted thought. Yeah, real uh, real galaxy brain <laughs> idea from Narduzzi. Uh, but no, Dylan, you said it. He and Signetti and Phil are about to get booed out of the stadium, out of the county, out of the tri-state area on Saturday night. And he he made damn sure of it. And it's actually funny. Um, I was talking to, uh, to Big E from the Oakland zoo uh, ran into him before the game and we were talking about it. And he was saying, I'm really worried about the backyard brawl for a lot of reasons, but also if dues calls a terrible game, if Phil, you know, looks bad and they don't bench him, we could be in for a really interesting collision course on Saturday because Saturday they're giving all the students in the Panther pit, Pat Narduzzi's signature visor. And Dews is going to also be rocking the visor. And I think they're, I don't know how big themes are in college student sections, but they're encouraging people to dress like Pat Narduzzi. And if he just gets booed out of Akrashore on a night that is supposed to be for the students to show admiration for him, that is going to be a terrible look. And he guaranteed it happens. So give us a number. Oh, right. The question I was asked. Um, it's still 40 degrees. I mean, he has an extension through like 2030, I think. He is the only coach to have significant success in about 40 years. I still believe in Pat Narduzzi. As insane as that feels to say right now, he has built a foundation. They are, they've been recruiting better year after year. Uh, he's, he's found an identity and he's sticking with it. And the players seem to have bought in the past few years up until this point. But I, I have a couple caveats and I, and I, I won't, I'll let us talk about Signetti and Phil first, but, uh, I'm starting to have some significant doubts about the direction of the program under Pat Narduzzi that I didn't have at the start of the season that I had last season. And he shut me up a little bit, but they have resurfaced because you are never wrong on a take. You're only too early. So I'm, I'm going to leave it at 40 and say he is entrenched. He is our guy. He is the second winningest coach in program history, but if his decision-making and conduct the past two weeks and the way he's spoken to the media and just his general stubbornness hasn't shaken you to your core a little bit in your belief in him, I don't know. Is that all? Yes. Squid, you got anything there? Got anything to add? I'm, I did have a very bad thought today. I was driving to work, so I was already in a bad mood. And I was like, you know what? Last year, we were riding high. We're like, Pat Narduzzi's like the second best coach in the ACC. We we're fighting people on Twitter, defending his honor, all this, all that, the disrespect. Like, we're climbing on the rise. But then I thought, like, 
what if this year goes so bad that Pat Narduzzi just gets pissed off and leaves for Michigan State and then Heather like leaves for Ohio State and then we're just like, what the fuck are we now? I don't think there's a zero percent chance that, that happens. That is a like bad a, thought. Like a one, two, three, four, two percent chance that happens. Do you like think we simulated this season like a thousand times on NCAA? The new NCAA that would happen like maybe once, but I I think we're gonna be okay. There's a better chance that we're just a quarterback away from being back to like our pretty stable eight-ish win team. Hopefully, Narduzzi. I have I have faith that Narduzzi will turn the page to a new quarterback very 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 soon. Because his job depends on it. You can't ride with Phil. For your own sake, you need to find out if Nate Yarnell or Christian Veyer are decent. Because if not, you gotta go hunting again in the transfer portal. If Veyer or Yarnell are good, then you can say we'll ride this out this year and hopefully we're better next year. I will say we're at like I'll say thirty nine degrees. I'll go one below David, but this was like at four a couple weeks ago. So slippery slope approaching. Which way are we going to go? I'll go 39 and a half. Split the baby there. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Dews isn't... He's not going anywhere yet. I mean, could this spiral completely out of control? Probably it could. I, we thought last year was going to spiral out of control, and it didn't. Right. I'm and not, they, okay, real quick, not to interrupt, Dylan. I wish we went back and looked at our first ever seat check because we were probably around this range for Narduzzi. We were like, if not now, when? That was the big thing, the 2021 season. If you can't win now, when will you? And if you don't win this year, you might have to go. And then three weeks later, we just completely disbanded this whole segment because his seat was so cool and we won the ACC championship. I don't, I don't believe we're there, but funny in hindsight. Okay, well, I, I think we can all agree that Narduzzi has gained enough goodwill to keep that seat cool for now. There's some ice packs uh, rearing and ready to go. Um, but I'm just going to kick it off with Signetti. He's at like 97. Oh, here we go. There's done. There is no way that if... Like, I don't even see a situation in which this offense looks competent this year, but we, they've legitimately been one of the worst offenses in all of the FBS this season. And they were p- pretty putrid for most of last season. He very clearly is about a decade behind the times. And I, I just. Like Sopranos meme here. I, I genuinely don't see any reason to, for keeping him around. <laughs> what did you Split. say, 99? I said 97. I'm going to go 99. I don't see that there's a scenario he's back next year because I don't think we will improve whatsoever. And even if we do, it will not be because of him. So he will either be fired or politely told like it's time to retire and then we can enjoy trying to figure out who we'll get next year 
no, no. Narduzzi only tries to force successful offensive coordinators into retirement. Maybe well, he can go coach IUP next year. Signetti says yins, so they'll let him off easy. Yeah. We talked about it. Local guys get long leashes. No, I I think I have to go with 90. Because one, if we do this segment again, I'm going to need somewhere to go from, and I don't think it's going down. Two, Narduzzi gets more defiant with each loss, and I could see us starting just like one and five and him being like, actually... So so happy you guys asked about uh, Signetti's play calling. I already re-signed him to an extension, so happy to announce that today. I think he's doing a, a great job of running this offense. So we signed him through 2026. And I, I think I'm kidding about that, but, but the point is, like, the, the seat check, I don't know if we've ever firmly defined, is it the heat they're facing from the fans or from your administration likelihood of getting fired is what, you know, a mm. hot seat really is. I don't know if I trust Narduzzi's offensive coordinator based decision making enough to say, yeah, if this guy keeps coaching the way he is coaching, calling games the way he is calling games, I'm certain Narduzzi will make him walk because I'm not. My biggest fear is that they put in there and he looks like pretty good and they do the same thing the Steelers did with Matt Canada and they go well you can't fire him because then he'd have to learn a whole new system and that would ruin his whole development it's like no playing new for crippling, a terrible coordinator is bad for your development new Getting a good coordinator is good yeah I agree squid I think well if Vera looks any good it's the defense is like well we got a new quarterback in. He's learned the system. Imagine another year in the system. He'll he'll look great. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm done with Signetti. Like I've I haven't wavered too much. I think I've pretty much been out on him. But you know, near the end of last season, felt like the offense was kind of figuring things out and bringing in Dracovic. Oh, that's his guy. If, if it looks good, he'll get the ball to the playmakers. We've got the running back and Rodney Ham, and we've got the wide receivers kind of we we talked ourselves into the receiving group we've got the tight end and gavin bartholomew and then none of them have really been incorporated whatsoever um not completely to signetti's fault i mean the quarterback play has been putrid but i mean it's just been abysmal on the offensive side of the ball the decision making the play calling and personnel utilization has been abysmal Guys who absolutely need to be in on certain drives, sitting on the sidelines, predictable play calling. Gavin Bartholomew didn't get a target until, what, the fourth quarter? That is very clearly our best player. Clear as day, the best player on the offense. Well, this is a good time to transition to the quarterback, and we can play the who's more at fault game. We did it last year with Slovis and Signetti, and now I don't know if we want to choose who's more at fault. I think we're just pretty content saying that they both stink and they deserve equal blame. 99 for the temperature. I'm going 
100 degrees for Phil Dracovic. I was sitting around just thinking about pit football. Like, what what am I doing here? But I tried naming of a quarterback who I thought was worse than him. And it was, like, extremely hard. Can I can I give you some can – I, can I hit you with a dick bomb? Throw me some names. Hit me with a dick bomb. Anything. So this isn't actually courtesy of Uncle Dick, but I – I kind of like to think that he's speaking through me right now uh, as I, as I always try to channel him. Uh, guess how many power five quarterbacks who've attempted more than 75 passes have a worse passer rating than Phil Dracovic. None. I saw your text earlier, so I won't spoil it. Two. Fun little side fact, guess what conference both those quarterbacks play for? Big Ten. Big Ten, and one of them is Jeff Sims. Uh, moving on to my second, more fun fact. Guess how many uh, FBS quarterbacks who have attempted 60 or more passes have a worse completion rate than Phil Dracovic? Zero. Correct, it's zero. Zero is the number. He he's playing at a level that nobody else in the country is. Even Jeff Sims has a higher completion rate. I was thinking about it. I was go back to my pit quarterback thought. I was like, dude, Danucci was like a lot better than Jerkovic. And I'm like, I can't even think of guys that were that bad. Like even Tino at his worst I'm, was better. There's going to be some revisionist history here with people who are like, well, Ben DiNucci played in the NFL, but people who watched him at Pitt were like, come on. Another Pine Richland guy. Sounds like they should stop taking quarterbacks from Pine Richland. Unless Eric Kasparowitz wants to be an offensive coordinator at the uh, D1 level, which sign me the fuck up. One of those quarterbacks started their career at Notre Dame was an all American. The other went to Penn and we took them because we had no quarterback recruits. And now I'm saying the one that we took just for shits and gigs. We had no other options was 20 times better than the other. So I, my question is, and John, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm at a hundred degrees, but I want to know, I want to hear from you guys. Um, what is it going to take for him to be benched? Narduzzi is stubborn, but like I said before, for his own sake, he needs to pull, pull Phil Dracovic. You need to one win games. You will not win any ACC games with him under center, and you have a stable of quarterbacks that might be all right. So figure out who the next guy up is. I think if he looks bad, <laughs> if he should have been pulled he, last, if he game. looks bad, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's why I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. So I think Narduzzi's talking a big game to the media right now. I think he's doing the we know what's going on. We believe in Phil because you have to say that he can't come out and say Phil has sucked. Like it's. Yeah, it's, nothing good comes from that. We're Everybody that else enough. is saying it for him. Yeah, I was gonna say that's uh, what we're here for. 
Um, and he can't say, I- I'm taking the reins from Frank next game. So he he's in the press conference saying, I trust in Frank's personnel decisions. But at the end of the day, Pat Narduzzi gets paid to win football games. And I think at some point, Pat Narduzzi is going to look up, watch him getting his head kicked in by Mac Brown on his home stadium in their first ACC game. And he's going to have enough. And he's just going to say, I don't care. Put Christian in or I don't care. Put Nate in or whoever you want to try out. Put him in, Frank. But I've I've seen enough. We can't do this anymore. And I, I do think I don't think Narduzzi is going to be stubborn because he has some misplaced loyalty to Phil. Uh, I think Frank Signetti has probably a real loyalty to Phil. He's known him for a long time, coached him for a long time. But I do think at some point Narduzzi, if if Phil turns the ball over a couple times against UNC, they're losing by three scores in the second half. I think we could very well see Narduzzi just say, I'm making the call. We got to go somewhere else. Do you think there's a chance that he doesn't start on Saturday? No. No, he's starting. But I, I don't know. I, I'm going to zag here. I think that it's ACC play now. I know we, we always joke about the famous Narduzzi quote. It's like, oh, well, the non-conference is like the preseason. Our goal is to win the ACC championship. Yeah, blah, blah, whatever. Shut up. It's ACC play. If you want to get the team to buy in, this team needs a jolt. I'm sure the team has Phil's back because he's a good guy. He's a local guy. But eventually, the defense, the skill position players are going to be like, what are we doing out here? We're playing our tails off, and our quarterback is doing nothing. So this team needs a jolt. And I could see Vare or Yarnell coming out for the first series against UNC. <laughs> I, I mean, if if you're insinuating that there's going to be start to be like a locker room reprisal or at least issues in the locker room if they keep throwing out a guy who shouldn't be playing D1 football right now, I agree. But what I'll what I'll say to to wrap up this this uh, Veyer slash Yarnell talk is there's no logical reason to start Phil on Saturday night. None. He he only has one year of eligibility left, and I think he's shown you beyond question that he's not capable of performing this job. And you have two guys behind him. We're probably one of them's going to be the starting quarterback next year. Put one of the they can't play worse, and you would be building for the future. There's no reason not to put them in, except because everybody wants you to. And this is Pat Narduzzi we're talking about, baby. So Pat Narduzzi refusing to bend to the media, bend to the fans, bend to, I don't know. I'd be shocked if one coach inside that facility hasn't said like, hey man, what are we doing? He's He is committed to Phil. And he's going to stay committed to Phil no matter what anyone says until Phil until Phil plays terrible again on Saturday. And then it's, okay, yeah, fine. But but I put in Vayer because I wanted to put in Vayer. Not because you guys all said that I should put in Vayer. 
Pat's stubbornness only buys Phil, I say, one more half of football at a minimum. Didn't he say he was leaving that up to Frank Signetti to deal with the personnel decisions? That's why I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. Me either. I, I, hope, I know. I hope I, not. I know Narduzzi said it, but yeah, I I don't buy it either. I I think it's he's saying it because it's the right thing to say, and he's not going to throw Frank under the bus. Um, the only people he seems to be willing to throw under the bus right now are the offensive line, which, oh, which he um, seems to. Do a and times. any anybody that's ever personally wronged him, he's really loyal to his guys until they transfer or uh, you know seek an. A promotion elsewhere. Then he can shell them at press conferences. So just to put a bow on all this, if you're still, if you are pissed that we are doing this segment, but still somehow have made it, what, 30 minutes into it, please understand we are not calling for Narduzzi's head. We, we do not actually think that we should be reconsidering his position as the Chris Bickle head coach of Pitt football. We do this segment to get a gauge on the program from a 30,000 foot view and the direction that it is going. And we are doing it now because we are concerned because there's a very, because given the offensive performance last year until they kind of sloppily put it together at the end of the season and what we've seen at the beginning of this year, there are, very reasonable questions to ask about what this program is doing with all of the momentum it built up the last two years. Very reasonable questions to ask. Yeah. I'm a little worried about the Boo City Panthers. Hail loyal sons of Boo City. Please welcome onto the show, making his loyal sons debut. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep pit fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSONS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Pittsburgh Panthers beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Christopher Carter. Christopher, how you doing today, man? I'm excited. I'm glad to be here, Squid and Dave. This is an exciting time. The loyal sun's been seeing y'all guys around, party with y'all in some in Greensboro a little bit of that last year. So I'm excited to be on the show finally. I like I like this. Yeah, no better time than now, right? 
Absolutely. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Y'all <laughs> waited for me for the hard days to bring me on. But, hey, that's fine. It's still, it's still always fun covering Pitt, man. Uh, it's my alma mater. I went to law school there, so more than happy to talk about it. But I love covering. It's a great job. I have a great partner in Noah Hiles. So, uh, certainly, we met you guys there out in Morgantown. And, whew, good thing we met you beforehand because afterhand, it wouldn't have been as fun. Well, I was across the PA state line whenever Phil threw his third interception. So... <laughs> That would have been a little bit We're difficult to meet up after the game. <laughs> yeah, we we apologize. I'm I'm sure you know if there's any loyal sons listeners that aren't familiar with your work. Um, although I doubt that because our listener listeners are very niche and they probably consume all the pit sports content. Um, I I hope they don't get the wrong impression that we're about to. I assume say some unsavory things about the program for the next couple minutes. Hey, we, my whole thing is objectivity. If you want, if we want to be honest about it, we got to be honest. There's things that are struggling, and we can get into you know the parts that I think are struggling the most. But also, I think there's parts of it that kind of make this this situation really complicated because I also think this still has the makings to be a good team. I have seen, and we have seen in Pittsburgh, teams saddled by terrible quarterback play that otherwise were very good, and not just with Pitt but with the Steelers as well. So we can get into it, but. I think there's 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 still room on this pit team to make progress this year. So you saw a little bit behind the scenes, more than most. Yes. You're at practices. I don't know what you thought of Phil. I don't know how high you were, how much stock you bought. But on the flip side, did you think he could possibly be this bad? I thought that there were times that he could be. I, I thought that, but I thought we wouldn't see it until later in the season when they played like Notre Dame or Florida State and Pitt was just overmatched with talent across the board. I didn't think it would happen in a game that Pitt, as a roster, is just better than West Virginia. And, and like, that's not me being a Pitt alum saying that and, and being like, oh, Pitt is better than West Virginia. This is, it's an example of how, how shameful that loss was for the program that, you know, Bishop or whatever his name was, Bishop Beanie, Beanie Bishop, when he was calling out Felder Jacoby, said we knew he wasn't good at his job. And, and that that secondary gave up 260 passing yards plus to Duquesne along with two passing touchdowns. That was more than three times the amount of passing yards that Pitt had. So, like, the the fact that that's what, what happened there should be embarrass, embarrassing for Pitt. Um, and I got to say, the, the stuff I saw in practice of Phil – and it wasn't just like, you know, why he was hitting tight passing windows. He was understanding when to throw the ball at different times in the practices that we were allowed to watch. And him and Bub Means looked like they could have been a lethal connection this year. And they still could be if they rekindle their fire. But one thing that happens with college quarterbacks, especially with gunslinger types that I think are more mercurial in their momentum, like Phil Dracovic, um, I think that momentum is so huge in their production. When things are going poorly, Unless something big happens to snap them out of that funk, they will keep digging and grinding and but digging and doing so digging themselves a hole and into furthering their mistakes. And that's where I think coaching has to come in and help and say like, hey, Phil, this ain't your day. We got to calm down. We got to reevaluate. We're going to give Christian a shot here. Not to say that Phil should never get a chance to play quarterback again. But, you know, at this point, all you're doing is hurting yourself and hurting your team. I think that's where Phil is, is that he's experienced some negativity. He's trying to adjust to it. And a lot of his decisions just aren't helping. And he's kind of in the place where I think he's trying to do things really quickly and he's losing his mechanics and you're just building on mistake after mistake after mistake to get what you got against West Virginia. Um, and I think that he can turn it around, 
but the coaches, they kind of need to help him get a reset button so he can have a fresh start. So how much do you think uh, the, the fan reaction has played into his spiral? He got booed against Cincinnati. He got booed against West Virginia. Uh, he's been getting shredded in the media and on yeah, social media. Um, how much do you think that could possibly play into it? I, it, obviously it's bothering him if he felt the need to make that comment about, you know, if you're a grown ass man, look yeah. at yourself in the mirror. I think it is bothering him. I, I think that Phil's a guy that he pays attention to what's said about him and it's okay to pay attention to it, but it's never okay to let the public know that you pay attention to it. You know, um, at Notre Dame, when he left, he made it very clear that he felt that he was not given the proper opportunity at Notre Dame uh, when he made his way up. And, you know, I have people that I know at Notre Dame that cover that, that were working there at the time. And they've told me that it wasn't, you know, like he didn't handle that situation well. And he was given opportunities. He just didn't capitalize on them. And then, you know, at Boston College, similar things sort of transpired when, you know, he started off pretty decently when he adjusted to the program and, you know, started making plays that game. I was there for that game against Pitt where he launched like that 50 yard bomb. Uh, that was a huge play uh, back then in 2020. Uh, and the game that they lost on the extra point in overtime. Still, I'll never forget Paris Ford just standing there looking like what just happened. Um, but uh, you're right. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Uh, but uh, but like at the same time, like, you know, you also kind of part ways on bad turns with, with Boston College. Um, and I think part of it is, is that he lets that stuff get in, get into him too much. And I, I think that's a polar opposite from what we saw from Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was a dude who people talked trash on this city for years about. And, you know, you know, giving giving ammunition there like. You know, he threw 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions in two straight years. A true pit man for doing that, by the way. Uh, but, uh, but, but, you know, he wasn't overly impressive until his final year. But all the criticisms, all the things that were said about him, Kenny Pickett would just be like, that's outside noise. I don't, I'm not paying attention to that. I'm focusing on me. And that's what made him the ultimate winner that he was that led them to the ACC championship. Phil needs to adopt more of that. You know, it's funny. I was just at Mike Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday and we asked him, you know, what did you think about the, the crowd, you know, chanting fire Matt Canada? And Mike Tomlin's like, look, we're, we're here to make our fans uh, fat. Uh, I think it's fat, sassy and, and happy or something like that. Or no, fat, sassy and spoiled. He's like, we're here to make our fans. We're, we're entertainers. We're a sport, sports entertainment business. Our job is to entertain. Now, granted, Mike Tomlin is a word wizard that's done this for 15 years and he's well into his career and he's a hall of fame coach you know some somewhere somewhere down the line so like he's gonna have the right answers whereas a 24 year Phil Dracovic might not be as wise but that's the mentality that you still need to approach things with and I think that Phil lets that stuff get into his head and quarterback is one of those positions where the throwing motion the, the processing of what defenses are doing the slightest little thing can throw your mentality off and lead to mistakes at the quarterback position. And to me, that's where it is so delicate to manage. And it's one of the biggest things you need to have a person on your team that understands quarterbacks, that understands how to talk to the quarterback. Even if like Mike Tomlin's not a quarterback guru, but he knows he knew how to talk to Ben Roethlisberger at times. He knows how to talk to Kenny Pickett. And I, I think that that's where you need a coach like that. And, and I'm not, it doesn't seem like Pat Narduzzi is doing that right now. 
with uh with with Phil and maybe he'll get him to turn around. I've seen Pat Narduzzi turn around some crazy seasons, uh, including that 2020 season where they were they lost four straight and they were playing Florida State on the road. I was there in Tallahassee. They come out, they win their last four games, and they 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 they, they played very well. Not the last four, but they win I think four of their last five that that year uh, and, and looked a lot better. If Pat can do that with Phil. Great. But I think that it's a bit of a project right now that they need to they need to get him to again hit the reset button. The idea was presented to me that uh, the steel or the Panther fans should do with Phil what Philly fans did with Trey Turner and just kind of sarcastically give him standing ovations anytime he does anything. What do you think about that idea? That would actually be really funny. Um. You know, I think I'm of the opinion, and I'm not saying that anyone is bad for booing or doing things like that. I'm of the opinion that if I'm a fan and I'm coming somewhere to root for you, I am not going to boo my own team, or I'm not going to jeer my own team or, or do things like that. I am going to, you know, if, I, if I'm displeased, I'm just not saying nothing. I'm gonna just be like, hey, that's kind of, that's just kind of how I was raised. Like, you know, when I messed up, there were times my my you know my old man got on me and my mom. But the the times that hurt the most when they they just looked at me and they were like, you know, we're disappointed. And, and like that was the time that you were like, mm, man, like I let them down. Like, oh, and, and to me, like that to me would be even louder than booing in the right situation. But again, you're told, and also I just I think that booing is just you know you want your guys to get out of the funk, so. That's not how I do it. But again, everyone operates differently. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, the sarcastic, I think it would be really funny. Like I would certainly write about that and be like, this was hilarious if someone did that. But I'm not so sure that that's what's needed with Phil. I, I think what's needed with Phil, one, is a, a chance for him to kind of step back outside of the game, look at things from an outside perspective, and then come back at it with a, with a new approach and kind of getting a chance to reset things. I really think it's what he needs, but that's a coaching thing. Um, but I, I think from the fans' perspective, just try you just try to be there for Pitt in the ways that you can so that if they do rebound this year, you're you're there to see it. Now, granted, I, I don't blame anyone for saying, like, if that dude's out there again on Saturday and he sucks, I'm not sticking around to see this butt kicking. Like I, I I get that. But I think that's how you can be loud about things. The Pirates have started to have to hear that too, because when people were like, I'm not going to a Pirates game, they're not trying to win. I think that speaks louder than anything else. And I'm not encouraging Pitt fans to not show up because we know the whole attendance debate that or, or, or you know, tagline that a lot of uh people that don't like the Pitt football program or Pitt anything program uh will throw out a field fans. day this Saturday. Oh, it's. I think it's going to be that. I agree with with UNC in town. There's probably going to be a lot of Tar Heels fans in attendance, and uh, fans might have From a cranberry. Hard... Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be rough. But I also think that you know, part of this is is for Pitt fans. What, uh, one thing I think that I've admi- really admired about Pitt fans is the ones that are that are diehards like yourselves. Um, when you stick in there. And you see through the worst, and then you can truly appreciate the best. Like when you're in Greensboro last year, basketball, you saw all the moments, just like that. How could they blow this? They lost to Citadel. They lost their four-star recruit right after they lost to Citadel. Man, I've been through pain. But when you're there for that moment and you're seeing Greg Elliott hug Heather like after they win the playing game in Dayton and you're in Greensboro and you're seeing them beat another team, it just – that stuff means so much and it builds authentic 
fan experiences. That's the stuff that if you're a pit fan, if you're a real pit fan, you want to be a part of it. That's why you go to the things and suffer through the things. And even if you suffer in silence, like there's times I'm like, I'm I've been to Pirates. I'm I'm grew up in Pittsburgh. I I love I love it when the Pirates are good, even though I've only had three years of it in my life. It is exciting stuff, and there's like an old timey baseball thing in my family that I do enjoy. But when they suck, I'll go to a game. I'm gonna just be like this. I'm gonna just be like, mm-hmm, here we go. All right, they doing it again. All right, they. Uh, I was at the game Sunday. They won Sunday. Good for them. Uh, but like, uh, you know, but like, I, I think that that's just the approach that I personally would prefer. Is like, thing like, hey, if you're there for the suffering, when when the real stuff happens, you're gonna feel a lot prouder about it. Yeah, last year, the end of the season felt real rewarding because mm-hmm. a lot of people sold their stock on Pitt and they went out the last month of the season in the bowl game. So yep. we've seen it done before. I think you alluded to the fact that you think you that you think Phil needs to be benched, but how much longer of a leash does he have? Does he trot out there for the first drive on Saturday? I know you're not going to like hearing this, but he's, he's going to be trotting out there for the first drive oh. on Saturday. I... Just my opinion of studying how this situation is. I, I think Pat Narduzzi and David is not happy over there. And, and, and David, this is what Noah and I were trying to tell you, you know, before the before the game on Saturday. It was like, we're not saying that Phil's going to light it up, but we're saying no matter how bad he is, they're not pulling him. And even he I nailed even, that. You know, like, 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 this was as bad as it got. And Noah even went back and found a quote from Pat Narduzzi way back in training camp where he was like, you know, Phil's going to win the starter. But, like, if he comes out and plays poorly and throws a whole bunch of interceptions, we were going to reevaluate because we believe in Christian Bayer and Nate Yarnell. (laughs) That ain't happening. Uh, So I I think part of this is is that this is is the new age of college football where the transfer portal is oh so important and you need to hit on that to be successful. And NIL is such a big factor. And I think Pat Narduzzi sees in his head with Phil Dracovic that he's the guy he brought in, that he promised this whole thing. And then if he just cuts bait with him really quickly, it will be a sign to other future transfer quarterbacks that don't go to pit because if I mess up for a game or two, I'm going to be out of a job. And I know you're probably about to say, well, what about Alabama? What about Nick Saban? What about, you know, all these other things? And what about the other positions who have been benched you know, for, you know, for, you know, you know, Jason Collier, PJ O'Brien. I was going to um, say all of those things. So that's a great catch by you. Yeah. Because I, so that was the thing I asked Pat after the game, because we were all trying to needle him and be like, Hey, what's the plan with Phil? Why isn't Phil getting benched? He's playing terribly. What's going And he's like, it's not Phil. It's this, it's that, it's that, it's that. You don't know. And so eventually I'm like, do you guys have confidence in Christian? And he goes, uh, course we have confidence in christian but we don't dump a guy after one or two bad games whether it's a cornerback or a tackle or a quarterback and to be fair to him i guess they didn't dump on a cornerback or a tackle just a guard or a safety um and <laughs> i and then i so that like when he said that we there was only like a couple questions left available so I like i don't like to i'm a person i don't like to hog up media time so i let other people ask their questions but then first question mon- monday at noon we're at the press conference i'm like pat i'd like to give you a chance to clarify you said you guys don't dump people, but you did for these. What's the difference? And Pat was kind of cheeky about it. He was like, well, you mean the difference? Uh, you don't know the difference between a quarterback and a safety and a lineman? I'm like, okay, Pat, you know what I'm asking. Why is Phil not being benched when other people are? And eventually he was like, it's a different animal at quarterback. You know, you got to let guys gel and goes on to say a bunch of things like that. 
I gotta watch I, the tape too. You gotta watch the tape. Lots of tape to watch, boys. Lots of tape to watch with him. Hope he hasn't um, been sleeping this week. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. But to your to, to answer your question, I don't know if there is a leash for Phil Jacobin. And that may sound terrifying for Pitt fans. I think that what the, the leash would literally be if the season is get, just gets out of hand, which some Pitt fans may feel. It's out of hand right now. They're one and two. They should have been. They should be three and zero right now. They're better than those two. Te- those those two teams they lost to. They need to be undefeated. I think what might happen if they lose to North Carolina, and then who's after North Carolina? I know Louisville is Virginia early. Tech. Thank you. If they lose to North Carolina and Virginia Tech, I think Virginia Tech would be the final straw, and I think they'd be like, "We're one and four. This is it, Phil. We gave it a shot." That's where they're gonna. I think that's where they would they, they would be like, all right, we're gonna give Christian Bayer a shot because he is at least the bridge to the future, if not the future, and you need to see that. But I think it would take until one and four before they actually pulled this plug. Even you if think, there's more two, three interception games with like barely over triple digit yards. You think Phil has two more strikes left? I'm not saying he should, guys. I'm just saying the read that I oh. have on Pat. And yes, that should be alarming. I agree. Like, it's not, this isn't a good thing. This isn't me saying that Phil should have two more strikes left. I think, I think Phil should have been benched after that second interception in the West Virginia game. I think he should have, he should have been sat down. And it should, and again, my whole thing was if you sit down, Phil, then you say, Phil, you don't got it tonight. Thanks for, thanks for your efforts. Stay focused. You're going to get another shot this season at some point. Just stay locked in. Christian. Get in there and just show them what you got. And if Christian sucks, Phil's back out there next week. But in the game, would, right? But if but if he wins the game, then you have a whole then you have a good quarterback controversy going on. But it seems like Pat doesn't want a controversy. He wants there to just be a starter. And to be fair, he stuck with Kenny Pickett through a lot of thick and thins, and it led to him having an ACC championship. So maybe he's leaning on that. Pat, Pat admits he's not a quarterback guru or a quarterback whisperer. I just think he's making a big – I think he's making a big mistake by giving Phil too much of a leash. So you obviously know better than we do. Do, do you think that this is indicative of perhaps a less than rosy view of Christian Veyer? Because there are a lot of fans, us included, in the past week who have started to ask that question about – what does this say about our future at quarterback that Narduzzi isn't willing to cut from a one-year rental who has turned down Pitt twice already for the guy that has been anointed the starter of the next two seasons? Is is there something we should be worried about? I think that with Veyer... I think that it's it's that he has not sold them that he is necessarily the future just yet. He could very well like he could be just fine. Like I also, I also don't think Pitt needs a superstar right now. They just need an average quarterback, a guy, just, a guy. Just complete the throws that are there. That's all Nick Patty was. Like as as fun as it was to root for Nick Patty, and as awesome of a moment the Sun Bowl was, Nick Patty was just a dude who could do what he was coached to do. He wasn't elite. But he was also like. A dude, dude. Oh, absolutely. Like he, you you wanted to fight for that guy. And, and yes, I've I've talked to pit players who are like, nah, like if someone hit hit like when when uh, when Patty got hurt in the Peach Bowl, 
they was pissed. They 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 was mad about about that. They was like, and like, granted, it wasn't like a dirty hit. He was diving for the pylon. They were like, oh, like not Nick. There's there's a lot of confidence there. I don't I, Christian ain't that. Um, but I will say that I, I think that there's it, there's there's skepticism to say if he's going to be the guy, and they've seen Phil in practice be the guy at least looked good at, at, at certain times. And so they're trying to bank on that. But I do think there's a lack of confidence in Christian maybe being the total future. But I, again, I think that Phil, you know, Phil's not like you see that he's struggling right now. This is his last year of eligibility. You can't get him for another one after this. Anyways, give Christian a shot. Like I, I'm on the same page with you guys, but just knowing what I know inside the organization, knowing what I've, you know, just, just how I've just studied Pat Narduzzi. His stubbornness is going to uh, get in the way of that. You've upset Squid so much he just kicked over a china cabinet, I think. I heard. I was like, what happened over there? The laptop needed charge, and I knocked over a garbage can, and I was also very (laughs) alarmed and mad at what you said. So, yeah, all the above. Yeah. (laughs) So you think there's a better chance that Noah Hiles suits up at quarterback this week than Christian (laughs) Veyer? Listen. As soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, buddy, you have no idea what ammunition you've given Noah Hiles. Because every every time he was like, you guys know I tackled Jesse James. Yes, no, we know you tackled Jesse James. And yes, no, we we know we know about your great past as yeah, as, as a player. But um, you know, I think Pat has those moments where he tries to be funny. And like there there's times he is funny. on Monday. What'd you say? There are a lot of those on Monday. Boo oh, City, baby. Boo City. What was it like being in that room? Y'all, what'd you say? What was it like being in the room, especially on Monday? I'm, I'm we sure all there's always see. a few little knee slappers, like eye rolls. There were like 19 or 20 on Monday, it seemed like. We we just – there's times where you look at each other and you're like, did he just really say that? Like the boo city things. And again, there's ways to deflect. And again, this is where Mike Tomlin is so good with media. Like he is so – he is the master of telling us nothing. And, and to be honest, my dad was a high school football coach. The way I watch coaches, your job is to say nothing. Your job is to tell the press as much, give the press all the the, the words and the motivation and all that nonsense that actually doesn't mean jack. And, and like, actually, like, you know, give them some stuff, like, you know, give them meat to, to grind on. Mike, Mike Tomlin has his Tomlinisms, and the Tomlinisms are somewhat real. But your job is to protect your team, to not let the media get inside of your team. And even though it's my job as a reporter to get inside of your team, like, my job is to do that. Um, I appreciate a coach who does that well. And Mike Tomlin does it very well. There's, there's times where I can ask a question to Mike Tomlin. I'm trying to sneak my way in and he will cut it off. He was like, no, nah, I'm not going to go there. I was like, and then he'll give me a whole answer that talks about all this stuff. It addresses elements of the things that I am, but he doesn't answer my question. And I'm like, I see what you did there. That was very, that was very smart to block me off. But Pat, Pat will sometimes do that. Other times Pat will hit you with a boo city. Or he'll go on a monologue and he'll say, Chris, you know, when you play the way you play, you got to play over here. But when you're not over here, you're actually over there. And you only know that if you if you watch the tape. And like the other like the other day, like this is actually a perfect example. Uh, th- last Thursday, I, I talked about, hey, West Virginia, what does their offensive line do that your defensive front has to key in on? What are the keys they have to read to adjust to what they do? And I knew Pat wasn't going to want to answer this because if he says what things they're watching for from the Mountaineers, Mountaineers can see that published and then be like, 
okay, so they're looking for these things. Let's plan around that, right? So he doesn't want to give them any ammunition. So what he says is, instead of instead of a, a an answer that kind of gets away, he's like, well, Chris, it's not about keys. And I'm like, oh, it's not? Okay. He's like, you know, it's just about, it's about hitting them in the mouth and getting physical. And we just need to beat them to the punch. And he goes on, he goes on. And at the end of it, he's like, but we do need our linebackers to know their keys. And I'm like, so it is about the keys. Like, you know, but it's just like, so now you've kind of contradicted <laughs> yourself. And I'm sitting here like, again, I like Pat. We have, I, I have a good relationship with Pat. At least I think so. I, we, he and I have had some good talks. He's given me some really good recommendations to people outside of the team about my, my reporting. So I, I appreciate Pat. But being honest, there's times I'm like, Pat, what are you doing here, man? Like, why'd you even say that? And there's times I'm just like, oh, boy, like, this is going to be like when he said Boo City, I'm like, there's going to be Boo City shirts out there for sale. If, especially. Yeah, we're working on one. I was, I was like, you guys better be leading the charge here. <laughs> but yeah, so that's I, my opinion of Pat. I'm almost deigned to ask, what do you think about this upcoming matchup against ranked UNC and Heisman hopeful Drake May? Future top two pick Drake May. I'll say this. I have been surprised many a times by pit football, both in bad ways and in good ways. I've also been not shocked when they've gotten skull drug, which very well could happen. Most likely will happen this Saturday. But as I've said before, this team, I think as a whole, if they had an average quarterback or just average quarterback play, this team could bang with most teams in the ACC including North Carolina. I think that they have an offensive line that does need to be better, but it's getting better. And I think that they'll get there. I think they have playmakers on offense that if they just are given the ball in reasonable spots, not in great throw situations, doesn't have to be Kenny Pickett, you know, 2021. I'm just talking about even Keaton Slovis is kind of last year. I think that they're still a competitive team. Um, I think they're a defense that if you gave them a lead to work with, they could be a really dangerous unit. That was the other thing. Or a long field. Or a long field. That too. Or both. It'd be nice to have both. But um, I, I think that this is still a team that could very well hang with North Carolina. But if Bill Dracovic comes out and does what he did against West Virginia or against Cincinnati, I know he threw three touchdowns, no interceptions, but he had 32% completion rate and you can't have that. But if he doesn't come out and sustain drives, if he doesn't come out and execute they're going to get the snot kicked out of them. And it's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be sad. And it's going to be even more sad because I, I think there's a lot of guys in this team that don't deserve to be part of that losing effort. I think Gavin Bartholomew is a, is a fantastic tight end. He's the Corvette being left in the crappy garage. I think that Rodney Hammond is better than that. I, I honestly think Kanate Mumfield and Bub Means are better than what we've seen. I know Bub Means is kind of messed up a little bit more than Mumfield so far, but I think both of those guys, if they had a, a de- decent quarterback play this year, they could they could both light it up this year. And I think this defense, I mean, honestly, like, and I said this, the defense had nothing to hang their heads about after West Virginia. All the things that they went through, they battled. And, yes, they gave up some rushing yards to C.J. Donaldson. I think that guy's going to the NFL so long as he doesn't keep getting injured. Um, but 
that was that defense. They get after the quarterback still. I mean, you think about this. They're 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 I think like what fifth in the ACC in sacks right now. So you're kind of looking at that and being like, oh, but that's because they haven't had leads to 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 pin their ears back on. That, that's where they built it was when they would play teams and they would get up and they would get this to say, hey, it's time to go get the quarterback, and then they would do that very well. So I think that. This defense is still talented. I think that there's talented there's talent on both the offensive playmakers and the offensive line, but all of that can get neutralized by a terrible quarterback play. And that's what happened against West Virginia. That's what's happened against Cincinnati until like the fourth quarter. And we, we've seen it with the Steelers. I mean, go back to the Steelers if you're if you're a big Steelers fan. 2003, Tommy Maddox. That team was terrible. It's the last time that Pittsburgh has had a losing record for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You flip in Ben Roethlisberger the next year, and then like the start of the next season, 2004, uh, they barely beat a meh Raiders team. Then they get beat the tar out of by the Ravens, and then they go 15-1. and And Ben Roethlisberger wasn't great his rookie year. He was just meh. But he was meh with some gusto on a team that had a kick-butt defense, a really good offensive line, and a running backs out of hell, and some good wide receivers. And all it took was a quarterback to be just decent after instead of terrible. And that is what I think could happen if Pitt either gets a turnaround from Dukovic or Vayer or Yarnell come in and just give them, again, doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. Doesn't have to be Drake May or Caleb Williams. Just be decent. Be Nick Patty. And I think this team would have a shot against North Carolina. So you heard it here first. Christian Veyer is the next Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, you're a journalist. You should be used to getting everything uh, it, taken out of context. Trust me, I am. <laughs> So there's there's no way we could uh, trick you into a score prediction for UNC Pitt, is there? Man, can I see a whole week of practice before I get give score? Okay, okay. It is it is only Tuesday. It is only Tuesday. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. You guys, uh, what's the game? Eight o'clock. You guys, let me know where you hanging out uh, outside of Acrisure Stadium before Saturday. I'll come by and give you a score prediction before then. We'll give us a big shot, Bob's wings in return. Listen, oh, some big shot Bob. Give me that Frankie White, baby. I love, I love, look, I love me some big shot Bobs. Like, I, I, they, they got all the wing sauces. And the thing is, my problem is, okay, I'll give you guys a great little insider story that I have. And this is for the record, so that you guys can have this on your show and everything. I'm telling them a lot of scoops in the background, y'all. But uh, in all seriousness, so y'all know Mike Tomlin loves some wings. You know, he took Malik Willis famously out for wings. And that's the thing that like Mike Tomlin, like you know, and most people love wings, right? So there's one day in Steelers training camp practice last year where I saw a storm coming and I was like, that's going to hit this field soon. I'm getting out. I'm getting to the press conference room early. So I just run to the press conference room. Sure enough, storm hits. Mike Tomlin's brought down on a cart and it's just me and him sitting in the press conference room. Now, Mike Tomlin, like I said, master deflector. If he don't want to talk to you, he won't. And even if he'll even talk to you without talking to you, like he'll, he'll just deflect what you say and not really give you any information. But I'm figuring like, hey, I won't ask him anything team related. I'll just, uh, you know, ask him something casually. And I'm like, hey, 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 Mike, what's your favorite wing sauce? Or what your f-? And he's like, and so I'm thinking, like, I can get some back and forth here because I love chicken wings. Mike goes, I don't have a favorite wing sauce. And I'm like, come on, Mike. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get develop some personality here. But then 
I, I kind of just I, I don't like react to that. I'm like, okay, I guess. And so I'm like, well, I'm disappointed that Mike doesn't want to talk about wings. And then he pauses and he says, the reason I don't have a favorite wing sauce is because I know me. And if I said I had a favorite week's wing sauce, I would eat that every time I got wings, and that would be boring. So everywhere I go, I ask someone what their favorite wing sauce is so I can try it, and then I get a different experience every time. And so that's why, that's, that's why I don't have a favorite wing sauce. And I was like, that's actually kind of cool, and I just learned something. So that's why. So that's my chicken wing story there is uh, what, I, what I've learned. And I kind of fall into that pit. He's actually kind of right. It's kind of what I do. I, I love Frank White. I love like so there's certain like two or three flavors that I kind of rotate between uh, in Big Shot Bob. But they have so many flavors that I, that I got to try out. And, and it's funny. It's like every time I go there, I'm like, million. Try one, but like <laughs> exactly. They keep, and they keep coming up with more. But that's why Big Shot Bob is awesome. A boy, Matt's a wizard with the sauces. Oh, yes, he is. So... Christopher, we can't thank you enough for coming on, for sharing your insights, and for doing a very unpaid ad for one of our sponsors. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask one question though, and it's yes or no answer. Don't want any any context beyond it, and it, it can maybe be a teaser for a future episode. Should Pit fans be worried about the vacancy in East Lansing? <laughs> I was like, the vacancy? Is he about to ask me a stadium question? All right, all right. <laughs> no there you have it folks <laughs> there you have it you now we can no never context, so I can now we can, can never broach the topic again <laughs> i may be wrong but my opinion nah christopher thanks so much this was awesome and hail to pit it is now time for the loyal sun sportsbook unc edition Brought to you by Big Shot Bobs, the original Big Shot Bobs. Fellas, I've got some disappointing props here. Not disappointing, just disheartening would be the right word to use. And dark. Are you guys ready for this? Are we ready to? Well, before we start, I would like to give a little rundown of last week, mainly because I won last week. Just throwing it out there. I. I took the lead for the season. I'm up 10 points on the year after a, a four-point outing last week. All it took was Pitt's worst game of the last decade for me to have some success there. Dylan, second place. Last week, you're, you're still in dead last. And David, for the first time, bottom of the standings for a week. So where does the total sit? I am at 10, you are at 9, and Dylan is at 6. So have we given up on making this like a contest? No. We'll, we'll get something. Okay. Week 4. It's week 4. I swear yeah. we'll figure something out. Yeah. So let's dive in. Let's just get right into it. Um, The first one. The Boo City prop. Over under 24 and a half times, Pitt is booed on Saturday night. What what was that line? 24 and a half. So this is boo, a play happens, boo again. Correct. Punt, Drake May throws an 80-yard touchdown, boo again. Okay. 
That is a ridiculous line. <laughs> I'm going to go under. I frankly thought we were going to set this at like four and a half. Uh, that would be absurdly low. I have one drive for each team and we get four. Are you thinking about how many boos 25 separate occasions of booze would be? Or is it is the point that this is the boo city boost and it was boosted up to 24 and a half to try to get us to take the under? See, I don't know. I'm, I really want to take the over, but I'm tempted not to just because I think the fans will be tired out and bored of booing. It's like, you know what? I don't even give a fuck anymore. <laughs> but I'll still take the over. I can see it happening. You guys talked me into thinking that Phil Dracovic will start this week, and for that reason, I'm going to take the over. If Vayer trots out there for the first series, I will hedge my bet and take like a hard under. But for all intents and purposes, I'm taking the over here. The defense will look bad too, so that's the deciding factor. The offense will look bad. The defense will also look bad. I went back and watched the film of the Monday Night Football Steeler game. This is how I determined this prop. Um, there were about 25 separate boos throughout the Steeler game. A game that they won, by the way, against an in-division rival. Uh, Steeler fans are just about done with Matt Canada. I think Pitt fans have, have made their their thoughts pretty clear on how they feel about Phil Dracovic. So... I say this goes under, and it goes under because Pat Narduzzi finally pulls the plug on Phil Dracovic in this game, and that's when the fans stop booing. Whether it be because Christian Vayer throws two touchdown passes or just simply because it's a different quarterback throwing incompletions. If he plays the whole game, though, this is going over. Yeah, I... I don't mean to be unfun, but I just think 25 is like an absurd number of occasions. But I will say you do have hope in the fact like the whole Boo City thing, dude, like Narduzzi might as well have said, please, I am begging you on bended knee. Boo until you have laryngitis. So I think that the pit fans that show up on Saturday, all 60,000 of them, I'll say. Pack Stadium is what we're expecting. Uh, they are going to really, really let Dues have it. Um, Dues rhymes with booze. Just thought of that. Uh, quick question. So when is the starting point and ending point for when we stop or start and stop counting booze? Opening kickoff. First point of the game. I say when they leave the huddle. Or I'm sorry, the, the tunnel. When they leave the tunnel to when they walk back into the tunnel. Deal. Okay, this this won't be on the scoreboard this week, but over under 0.5 offensive snaps it takes for pit fans to boo. They're getting booed out of the tunnel. I was like the say, second, the I second they say that. Narduzzi's name, maybe I I was more so thinking when the when the offense trots out on the field and 
Phil runs out there with them. I was thinking that would be the the first chorus of booze we will hear. Yes, if if Phil takes the field on the first play of the game, there will be booze. If our defense takes the field, I don't think they'll boo right away, but it'll take a few plays and we'll get a boo. This will be fun. There's like a very not uh, fun might not be the best word, but interesting dynamic around this game on Saturday. A lot of chaos potential. A lot of chaos. A lot of chaos. Okay, well, I mean, this goes hand in hand with the number of boos we'll hear over under 99 and a half passing yards for Phil Dracovic Saturday night. I'll go first. I'll take the under. I think there's a good chance he does not play that long, even if for some inexplicable reason that he does, there's no guarantee he reaches 100. UNC has a good pass rush, and we have been very bad at protecting the quarterback. And even whenever we do protect them, it doesn't matter because he's not good. And It's going to be under. We've been down this road before. We've said what needs to be said. It's going to be a bad game. I'm going to go over. I'll I'll go next. I'm going to go over here because I think they're going to leave him in the game a little too long. Um, and it's just so hard to throw for under 100 yards as a starting quarterback at Division One level. He managed to do it last week, but I think he goes over this week. Like I said, last for the last prop, I still think he, he may get pulled. At some point for Vare, um, or maybe even Nate Yarnell, who knows? But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over on this one. There's there's some wrinkles to this one, which makes it a little bit hard. I'm still trying to decide if I think like he's just going to look terrible and get pulled relatively early in the game or if they're going to essentially do what they did last year against UNC. The last time that we had a terrible quarterback, you remember last year, um, where every single play is just a two, three-step drop and then a chuck it as deep as you can. And that worked for like a quarter and a half until UNC was like, oh, he's just taking a two-step drop and they're running four verts, and he's launching it as far as he can. Uh, let's guard against that, and then the wheels come off. I can't, I can't quite decide what I think is going to happen, but all it takes is like one or two of those deep balls for the over to hit. I know, but I'm. I think believe? I'll still go under. It is. Do you think there's a chance he goes under if he plays the whole game? Oh, you mean what he did this past week? Right. Well, maybe the order of the... Do you think he'll play the whole game? Do you think there's a chance he could go under 100 yards and they not pull him? Absolutely not. Because I will run on the field and rip him off if that's happening. If it's late in the third quarter and he's still sitting at like 68 yards, I am doing something about it. (laughs) 
Squid, you don't really strike me as someone who can deadlift 400 pounds, so I don't know how... I will steal the ball and it won't play. I will steal every ball. <laughs> We're done here. We're done I'll here. Steal All, right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Over under two and a half snaps for Christian Vayer. Went up from one and a half last week. Just in I'll case take they this tr- one. They try a couple uh, tricky gadget plays with, with two quarterbacks on the field. I've uh, so I've got another fun stat for you guys. Uh, I hit you with a couple in the last segment of the 15 quarterbacks who have started in the ACC so far this season. Who do you think has the lowest QBR? I couldn't even imagine who it is. No guesses. It is uh, it's one Phil Dracovic. Uh, and the gap between Phil at 15 and the number 14 quarterback is almost as large as the gap between the number one quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, who I guess is good again, uh, down to the number six quarterback. It's not as wide of a gap, but it is very close to as wide of a gap. So not only is he the worst quarterback in the ACC, he's the worst quarterback in the ACC by like, a considerable amount. So again, I said in the last segment, Narduzzi got what he wanted. He had his little, his little tantrum of a press conference. He was defiant and he's sticking with his guy, but then his guy is going to have about three drives on Saturday that end exactly how all the other ones did against West Virginia in either a turnover or no points. And he will throw up his hands and say, fine, hammer the over for Veyer. Veyer's finishing this game. I'll go over. Don't have much to add to that. But I have a caveat. The only reason doesn't go over is if Yarnell's his guy. I can see Narduzzi, even the first dibs to Yarnell. I know Christian Vayer is the number two on the depth chart. And I don't know how close of a battle is between two and three, but he he did win the battle for the backup. But maybe as they get into things, they're like, you know what? Yarnell's been here before. He's played in a game in this offense, and we don't want to throw Vayer to the Wolves after like a quarter. And Yarnell is a safer play. Or maybe he just looks better lately. Weirder things have happened. That's the only way that the overs have hit. That would be so consistent with Narduzzi if he was like, fine, I'll do what everyone's telling me to do, but I'm going to do it on my terms in like the weirdest, most galaxy brain way possible by starting our third stringer. Okay, that's enough bad quarterback props. Let's go with a good quarterback prop. Uh, Drake May, reigning ACC player of the year, potential first round pick. Over under three and a half total touchdowns for Drake May on Saturday. So passing and rushing. I'll start us here. I think he's going to absolutely shred Pitt. Uh, defense has looked good. They've also played two teams that suck the last two weeks in these games that they've lost. Um, 
I also think there might be a little bit of fatigue from that defense. If if the offense doesn't improve this week and can't sustain drives and can't put any points on the board, I think that eventually there's a breaking point, and I think that kind of happened in the UNC game last year when Drake may pick them apart. Um, I, I, I think this goes over. I think he probably throws for three runs for one, something like that. I think he's going to have a big game on Saturday night. I'm going over as well. I think it's going to be similar to last week where the defense starts off like playing kind of strong, formidable, but the offense can't do anything at all. So they're on the field a lot and they just hit a wall and can't keep up with UNC's offense. And Drake may makes us look very stupid. Give me the over. I agree with everything you guys have said for all of the same reasons that you said. I think it could be an avalanche effect. Um, the defense has performed nobly, uh, but you can only do so much about against Drake May. You can only do so much when you're on the field the entire game. Um, you can only do so much when you're forking over the ball on your own 20, inside your own 20. Uh, and I, I have to imagine morale is pretty low team-wide right now, which will play into it. All going over? Yep. We are unanimous. For what it's worth, Drake May has not scored three touchdowns in a game yet this season, and we're all looking for four. Mac Brown did say that they have been running the ball a lot more this year. Their running attack is better than years past, but I think Drake May's QBR is a lot higher than it has been in the past. So the numbers might not, the big numbers might not be there, but he is playing very well from what I've gathered in like nine minutes of research. So this might be the game. They're like, fuck it. We're getting Drake on the Heisman watch list. It's eight o'clock. It's on national TV, right? ACC network. Yeah. Kind of national. Oh, so the whole world will be watching. Yes, exactly. The whole Atlantic coast. First touchdown score. No one scored last week. Surely it can't happen two weeks in a row. If we take no touchdown scored, how many points is that? Three. That's painfully low. <laughs> I'm going to get weird. I'm going Sebo. Don't really have a reason why. I think he might just get a goal line carry for like Pitt's lone touchdown of the day. On the inverse, can I get half a point for saying someone from Pitt will score? No. Like literally just like no. A player in a Pitt uniform will score a touchdown. No. Okay. Give it like one or two more weeks and we'll we might get there. Hammond. Is that still worth one point considering he hasn't gotten 15 touches in a game yet? Yes, just out of principle. Whatever, dude. I mean, I'll just round it out with the running backs. I'll take Dan Carter. Stay with the theme here and don't have much faith in any any passes being caught for touchdowns right now after after what we've seen. So good. All right. 
fellas. This is uh this one hurts, but we have to do it. The line for the game I most recently checked today. We're recording on Tuesday evening, and I saw the line at seven and a half. Pit plus seven and a half. Opened at six and a half. Swung swung a point. I wouldn't be surprised if it swings another point or two come Saturday. I need to know: Are they going to cover? And what's the score going to be? David, <laughs> this is a Vegas knows something line. If I've ever seen one, this is a Vegas hasn't caught up to just how bad Pitt's quarterback play has been. Oh no, no, no! I disagree. You think Vegas doesn't know something? What do you yeah. think is more likely, Dylan, that they don't know that Phil is bad or that they are saying, like, yeah, Dews doesn't lo- lose three games in a row, or at least he doesn't get blown out? I Maybe maybe they know that we're we're doing something different this week, starting a different quarterback. I don't know. Um, so I... I will just say I am not going to be shocked if Pitt wins this game. I'm going to be even less shocked if they cover and keep it close because Pitt just finds a way to turn games into rock fights and and make games they should lose competitive. Um, But I'm I'm still going to go with the logical play, like what my brain is telling me, and, uh, and say Pitt does not cover. UNC covers, and they win 42-21. A lot of offense. A lot of offense from Pitt. 21 points. Have you ever heard of a term called garbage time? I have. Okay. I will go UNC 37. Pitt? 17. This is the second time... I think this is the second time I've picked against Pitt in a game. David as well. I think we've picked against Pitt twice, and both have come against North Carolina. So, sad. Hopefully, there's not many more to come, but I can see there being more losses predicted to come. This would be a great bit if we just pick Pitt win to win it. Pick Pitt to win every week, but we're not there. Drake May scores a lot. Vayer comes in, looks competent, and we get a touchdown or two. Fellas, the Canadian saves us. Ooh. Comes in early in the game. I'm I'm talking first quarter. Narduzzi pulls the plug. I can't do this right now. Uh, Pitt will not cover. They will lose. <laughs> um, let's say 27-14. Offense puts up a couple scores. I just don't see it. And I hate to pick against Pitt. I don't know if I did it at all last year. I think I always talked myself back into a winner. Can't really remember. Um, yeah, I, I can't do it this weekend. After what we've seen the last two weeks. What I saw last week down in Morgantown. Um, I have no faith in the offense to put up a fight against a team who has a legitimate big-time quarterback who who can score in bunches. So um, 
Yeah, and apparently a crazy good pass rush. Yeah, that's. I mean, pile on, why don't you? Twenty-seven, fourteen. I really hope Pitt can make this a competitive game. I hope we see something different. I hope some switch flips, whether it's Phil figures some things out, whether it's the running game figures some things out, whether it's a new quarterback at the helm. I really hope a switch flips because right now it feels like we're in for a long season. So, um, but I, I just don't see it Saturday night. We'll see if we'll see if we stick around to the end of the game. I think that's a more more interesting prop here. Maybe we should have kept that. Do we all stay until the fourth quarter? This being an eight p.m. game makes that a lot harder. Why would the cheap and when it's convenient, sons? Yeah. I will yeah. say, though, I will not bat an eye if Pitt wins this game and Phil looks great. Oh, I will. My, my, Shut up. I might go blind. <laughs> I mean, you shut your mouth. Are we, are we forgetting the weirdness factor of Pitt football? That just when you think you have something figured out, they zag. Just when they look like a world beater, they lose to 6-6 six and six Miami at home. Just when they look like the worst team in college football, they beat number two Miami like this is this is still pit we're talking about and the fact that the line is only minus seven and a half and not minus two thousand tells me Vegas knows something so I'm just saying I'm gonna be at a wedding if I check my phone and Pitt is going punch for punch with UNC I won't even won't even flinch Let's get a polygraph over there. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I hope they make it competitive. And I, I will say, this is... I hate to do this like and be such a pessimist. But like, this is the, one of the least excited I've been to go to a home game. And as long as I can remember. I don't really remember a lot. Like, probably the Danucci max Brown season. I'm excited to see all the UNC fans driving from Cranberry, their powder blue. We are so down on pit football that that is the first time this episode we've made that joke. That is pathetic of us. That is pathetic of us. Yeah. Eh. Whatever, man. Go pit. I hope they win. I think. I'm so confused right now. Thank you again to Christopher Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for joining us to preview this matchup against the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Gentlemen, that was a great moping session. We are almost done. We are almost free to return to the parts of our life that don't make us sad. Uh, But before we do that... I'd like to hear any final thoughts that you might have brought to you by Guerrero Law. Squid, outside of, you know, the backyard brawl, what was the best and worst thing that happened to you this week? Best. Um, Watching that Kenny Pickett pass to George Pickens was like a huge weight off my shoulders of I finally got to see a quarterback make a good play. 
The worst was basically just like anything else. Wow. It almost maybe it was more specifically driving to Morgantown, watching the game, and driving back, and then having to be up I, like three hours later. That I, probably takes the cake. I specifically said nothing pit related. Uh well, I said but, the drive to and from Morgantown. Whatever, man. That was also bad. Regardless, gee, Squid, it, it sure, sure sounds like the human experience is full of ups and downs, highs and lows. You know, some days you're enjoying a Kenny Pickett-led win over the Cleveland Browns. Some days you are, I don't know, uh, maybe getting into a fender bender on Bigelow Boulevard. And maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fairly. Or maybe other firms won't take that case seriously. If you find yourself in that situation where you need help, call Guido at Guerrero Law. He will help turn your losses into an ACC championship win. And it's probably the closest you'll come to an ACC championship win for a while. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I had to. Anyway, that's GuerreraLaw.com. Uh, G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W dot C-O-M. 412-229-7757, licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. Guido is located in Pittsburgh. All right. Final thoughts. Who would like to begin? I'll kick it off. Uh, we've just been moping and bitching and crying all episode about our college football team. And we haven't really been able to enjoy how fun and weird this call this college football season across the country could end up being it feels like we're finally going to get a playoff that isn't georgia alabama ohio state clemson i I guess we had michigan last year but i mean you look at the ap top four right now it's georgia and michigan okay they were both in it last year but then texas and florida state got usc ohio state not gonna say who's number seven uh washington notre dame oregon like there, there could be some parody. It looks like there's going to maybe be a little bit of parody. Uh, and I don't know. That's fun. It's fun that there's some some different teams up at the top. Alabama down to 13 in the AP poll this week. Um, is Alabama done? Are they dead? I don't know. But college football, I mean, this whole slate this weekend, we've got Oregon, Colorado, 10 verse 19. We've got UCLA, Utah, 11 verse 22. Alabama, Ole Miss, 13 verse 15. Just a loaded slate. Oregon State, Washington State, 14 21. Like, oh, and then Ohio State, Notre Dame, 6 verse 9. Nice at night. Um, and then there's a game nice. somewhere else in the state of Pennsylvania, I think. Um, they wear a certain color, apparently. But ghosts. Yeah. So. College football could be really fun this year, so I, I don't blame you, Pitt fans, if instead of getting down to the tailgate lots five hours before the game, if you just want to maybe watch some games on TV and make your way down for kickoff. Or you can watch one or tailgate TV. We'll be tailgating somewhere at some point. Yeah, if you don't tailgate the games, you don't you don't get no big shot Bob's wings. That's the rules. So come down, just watch on the TV. But yeah, Dylan, this... This is shaping up to be a very fun, very chaotic year of college football. I mean, Georgia and Ohio State look mortal, which is always fun for the sport. 
there are eight Pac-12 teams in the top 25. Do you know what's not going to exist next year? The best conference in college football right now. And also, I called it. Fuck you, Squid. I called it. Oh, yeah? Well, did you bet on Alabama and Ohio State to not make the playoff uh, during week one? Can you do that? Yes. And what, I did. Were, what were the odds on that sort of thing? Uh, it was pretty close to even, actually. This was... Um, I just thought their quarterbacks both kind of stunk. I guess Kyle McCord could still win this weekend and they would jump up into like the playoff picture, but I'm not banking on him being good. So yeah, I'm counting my chickens before the hatch, whatever, but yeah, it'll be good to not see those teams just churn out new quarterbacks each year who are somehow really good. Uh, their fan bases are suffering like us. They're the same as us. So ha ha. Squid, you want to go? Yeah. Good pit. We're going to talk about some good pit right now. Last, who was it, Thursday, Wednesday, middle of the week last week, I went to my first ever pit volleyball match. It was a top 10 matchup between the Pitt Panthers and the Oregon Ducks, and it was electric. I know I'm late to the party here. I'm sure a lot of you have been to a number of pit volleyball games as they've been a powerhouse for, I don't know, like five, six years now. Finally got armed into a game and they lost and it was like really, really heartbreaking. They probably should have won if not for like a couple like late uh, set collapses. But I will be going back to several games this year because I need to watch pit teams win and they will provide wins. You need to see those colors celebrating. Mm-hmm. That is like an upside to improving as an athletic department that I didn't foresee. Um, if our football team returns back to what it was a couple years ago, uh, and again, I don't think it will, but if, if the football team has an off year, we can say the phrase basketball season's right around the corner and mean it. Or like we can watch the volleyball team. Who's How many? I believe it's like 46 days until basketball tips off, but who's counting? 46 days until Blake Henson starts his Naismith campaign. My final thought is uh, a Pittsburgh football team finally gave us something to cheer about. Uh, Steelers won at the time of taping this last night. And just a super weird game against the Browns. Um, I will say, though, our guy is having a weird year. Yeah. Kenny Kenny looks funny right now. And he's, he's started to make a couple throws um, that we were waiting him to, for him to make last year. Like some that. That 71-yard touchdown to Pickens where he put it right on the money despite a dude coming to cave his skull in. Uh, Actually, pretty much every pass he completed to Pickens was exactly what we were waiting for last year. But also just making some insanely bad throws on, like, slants. Stuff that he would have never missed last year. And 
I don't, I don't know what to make of it, man. Like we saw what he looked like in the preseason and he looked like a world beater and he started these, these first two games and has not looked insane. Um, it kind of looks a little bit mental to me because he's accurate. He's accurate as all hell, but just making some weird and questionable throws. Fair points, but I will not say anything negative about Kenny Pickett on this podcast in my life. So uh, it's Matt Canada's fault for all you out there that said we couldn't fire him because it would hurt Kenny's development. You're an idiot. Look at where we're at right now. Fire Canada will be fine. Just just do it tomorrow. Like, no big deal. Pull plug. I, along with Squid, will not be saying anything negative about Kenny Pickett. The O-line stinks, and the offensive coordinator is atrocious. That There have been other quarterbacks playing in this offense, and the offense has looked pedestrian to bad. Um, I mean, it's... Sure. Did he miss some throws here and there? Yes, he did. He made the one on the sideline that he should have just thrown away, but a Browns defender dropped. That was a bad decision. But, I mean, I'm watching Kenny get get the ball in the shotgun snap and immediately have to start running for his life. And then I'm watching these plays where uh, I don't think a middle school offensive coordinator would have called in that situation. So... I don't think it's the best situation. I really hope they figure it out over these next couple weeks. I uh, get the offense clicking on all cylinders because despite that win, uh, offense looked absolutely horrendous. But not yeah, Kenny's I, fault. Not, no, no, no. Not Kenny's fault. And I, I hope what I said wasn't interpreted as an insult against Kenny. Even the greatest players of all time, of which Kenny is soon going to be one, uh, have you know stretch weird stretches where it looks like they're trying to figure something out. We have an offensive line that is playing together for the first time, and the first two weeks of the season we probably played two top three defensive fronts, so that's not good. The play calling hasn't helped him, and he's he's still clearly working some stuff out. We have two weeks before a pretty tough stretch that are absolutely get-right weeks. And I think Kenny's going to turn it up against the Raiders and then I think the Texans the following yep. week. Mm-hmm. And everything's going to be okay. I hope so. Please. Please figure it out, Steelers. And Pitt, please win. I know it's a pretty big ask, but please win Saturday. Please score. Please change your quarterback and then win. Well, as always, fellas, hail loyal sons of Boo City. <laughs>